0: Okay, I'm calling the meeting of the Marin County Planning Commission to order today on uh, April 24th. And first item on the agenda is minutes uh, from the April 10th um, Planning Commission hearing. I was not here, so I'm going to abstain from this. Um, But can I get, are there any comments on it? I
1: move uh, approval of minutes. Thank Thank you. you.
0: Okay, Commissioner Desser moved, and Commissioner Lynn seconded. All in favor? Aye. Great, thank and you. And
2: I'll abstain since I wasn't here also.
0: Okay, great. So Commissioner Dickinson and I are abstaining from that vote. Um, any uh, next item on the agenda is communications. Are there any communications that the commissioners would like to report? Okay, hearing none. Jeremy, our director's report.
3: Good afternoon, commissioners. It's nice to see you all back. Um, before I actually talk about the um, uh, <clears throat> upcoming agenda items, um, I'd like to invite uh, Sarah to have a few words. Maybe you can start out and then we'll move on to um, ag- agenda items. And then Lely Thomas from our housing section is here to discuss the, um, give you a little update on the housing element. Uh, Sarah?
4: Thank you, Jeremy. Good afternoon, Commissioner Sarah Jones, Director of the Community Development Agency, as of last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, so I will be back here again in the near future to uh, talk to you more about CDA and planning and uh, kind of what's I uh, what might be in store, and uh, thinking about that together, where where we want this agency to go? Um, I'm actually here today to talk about a very remarkable person uh, for who has been with you for years and is uh, is handling her last meeting today, Anna Hilda Mosher, uh, who will be retiring, and I just wanted to. Kind of take a moment for us to appreciate Anna Hilda uh, for all of her work, for all of her, you know, unflagging support for this commission with, you know, your many, many documents and uh, all of the materials and all of the logistics and all of the pieces. And what you don't see is all of the work that she does, here in the office uh, with all of the planners in getting everything ready uh, so that you have what you need to to consider what's before you uh, and she does an incredible job of that she also does an incredible job supporting me I don't know if you know but she has about at least two jobs here uh, one of them is to uh, to support the director of CDA and she is just wonderful we're gonna miss her enormously and just wanted to Call that out.
0: Thank you, Sarah. And thank you so much, Ana Hilda. You have been a real big support and a calm and uh, warm presence for us on the commission. So thank you. We're going to miss you.
5: Thank you, Ana Hilda. You've you've always just been so responsive. You've been there. You've been as helpful as you could be. I appreciate that.
3: Yes, I'll add my thanks. She's been a rock for so many years, Uh, kept us all organized. Shepherd us through so many difficult processes. Um, really going to miss you, Anna Hilda. Thank you for everything. Uh, with that, I think um, I'll just uh, let you know that we only have one upcoming item, uh, and that is on May 8th. Uh, we're continuing the development code amendments discussion that we began last, last hearing. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to wrap that up on that date. We don't have any additional um, items scheduled for May 22nd or or coming up this summer. Um, so we will let you know, of course, if, if any items come through. Uh, and with that, maybe I'll ask Lily Thomas from our housing section to come up and um, talk a little bit about uh, the housing element and our work with the HCD.
6: Good afternoon, Commissioners. Lily Thomas with the Housing and Grants Division. And as you know, the board adopted the housing element on the 24th of January. We submitted it to HCD for their review the following week. And um, we received a letter last month saying that they found our housing element was in, did not meet all of the statutory requirements. They specifically asked us for changes to um, our programs around our requirement to affirmatively further fair housing. And as you'll recall from our discussion um, that we had with your commission, the uh, requirement to affirmatively further fair housing is a new requirement that has been incorporated into housing elements. And it requires us to really look at Um, our uh, patterns of residential segregation in our community, what has contributed to that, and ways that we are addressing that. And so there was some specific comments, for example, around um, our program to provide accessory dwelling units, and they wanted to know how we were going to focus and what percentage of those units we were going to focus in what are called... um, areas of concentrated affluence. And so that's an example of one of the comments. And we have drafted um, responses to HCD and we're in communication with the staff right now. Um, and at this point, we don't have a clear timeline on when that should be completed, but we're, we're in conversation with them. And we expect that the changes are fairly minor, um, really focused around kind of co- making our programs and policies more concrete in responding to those requirements to affirmatively further fair housing. I'm happy to answer any questions that you have.
0: Commissioner Dickinson.
2: Uh, Lately, is it anticipated that the revisions will come back to the commission or just go directly to the board?
6: It's unknown at this point because we are not uh, 100% clear on the scope of them. At this point, uh, you know, it looks like they're fairly minor, that we're not adding any additional programs or policies, and it's really just clarifying existing. And if that holds, then we may not need to go through a whole readoption. So we'll... But that ha- still has not been determined in, until you. we're it.
0: Commissioner Desser. Uh, and we're...
1: Where does that leave us with regard to the builder's remedy? It seemed to me we were in substantial compliance and that that should toll
6: that. But
1: uh, so, what, what do you know about that? I know it's sort of untested legal ground.
6: Yeah, our county council believes that we are in substantial conformance with the um, requirements because we responded to all of the um, outstanding issues that HCD had identified when we submitted our draft, and we addressed all of those comments. And so based on that, the county council believes that we're in substantial compliance and that we are not subject to it. But again, you know that would be determined. We haven't received any builder's remedy applications. Um, there have been a few received in other cities and towns, but there hasn't been any in, in the county.
0: Oh, sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, what's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Montalvano. Thank you. Sorry.
7: <laughs> um, so, I just have a question about: uh, Did has there been any more thought about uh, protecting
6: vulnerable populations from displacement? That's exactly one of the pieces of what affirmatively furthering fair housing. We have a whole section in the um, Affirmatively a- Furthering ha- Air Housing requirement that looks at tenant protections, and that is really how you address the displacement. And so um, those programs and policies we did not have comments on. Um, there was a comment on... Kind of, there's two kind of general aspects to affirmative furthering fair housing. One is kind of how you're promoting housing in your areas of affluence, your higher resource areas. Another is how you're investing in your less resourced areas, and that was one of the questions they had. So, you know, we have a number of policies and programs that we are um, – Putting resources into those communities, and I think that we are already doing it. We just maybe weren't as explicit in the housing element about it. So that's something that we're adding in. Thank you.
0: Does anyone else have questions? Thank you, Lele. Sure. <clears throat> Okay, now is the time for um, open or open time for public expression. This is an opportunity for members of the public to address the planning commission on items that are not currently on the agenda. Do you have anyone who wants to address the commission on items that are not currently on the agenda? Okay, great. See We're moving on to item number four on the Marin County Local Coastal Program amendments and rezoning. Kathleen.
3: I'm going to turn it over to Kathleen Kilgareff in just a second. Um, She's been working hard for quite a number of months on these amendments to the local coastal program. Uh, Most of the amendments relate to the implementation plan, i.e. the coastal zoning code. Uh, Some of them relate to the land use plan or the LUP. Um, I asked her, because I know a lot of you were not part of the process for updating the LCP in the first go-around, so I asked her to give a brief introduction about how the LCP works. Uh, So bear with us as we kind of just introduce that topic a little bit, uh, and then move into what the changes are that we are proposing for today. Um, Kathleen, do you wanna start?
8: Yeah, could we pull up the presentation, please? All right, and move on to the next slide. Oh, I do, okay, great, thank you. Um, So as Jeremy noted, we're just gonna do a little quick Coastal Planning 101. I wanted to start off first with a slide that shows you the um, coastal zone in Marin County. The coastal zone extends about three miles seaward from the shore. And as you can see, um, at the top of the county, it's much wider because of the topography of the land. So as you get down to the southern uh, southern parts of Marin County, it, it narrows based on topography. You've got Mount Tam right there, so it's a little bit different. And then we wanted to just go over the regulatory framework. Um, So at the very top of the rules around coastal planning in California, you've got the Coastal Act. Um, It guides how land along the California coast is developed or protected from development. It emphasizes the importance of the public (laughs) being able to access the coast and the preservation of sensitive coastal and marine habitat and biodiversity. And then nested under the Coastal Act, you have the local coastal program. Uh, The local coastal program carries out the coastal resource protections established by the Coastal Act at a local level. So each coastal city and county in California is required by the Coastal Act to prepare and implement an LCP for its portion of the coastal zone. So there's one in Sonoma County, there's one in Santa Cruz County, but Marin's uh, unique to Marin County uh, planning. Uh, Underneath the local coastal program are community plans. So community plans are a component of the countywide plan and contain policies for land use and development related specifically to a local area. We have a number of um, community plans in the coastal zone that we uh, use and implement when we're we're looking at uh, development. And then finally, um, there are ordinances in the county's development code that are applicable in the coastal zone. We'll get a little bit into that further into the presentation as well. So we have um, a local coastal program, and within the local coastal program, there is a land use plan, and there is an implementation program. The land use plan contains written policies that indicate which land uses are appropriate in the various parts of the coastal zone. It also guides how natural resources shall be protected when land is developed, how public access to the coast shall be preserved, and how other coastal resources shall be maintained and enhanced. The implementation program uh, consists of the coastal zone specific portion of the Marin County Code. So the local co- land use plan is more like policies similar to like a county-wide plan, and the implementation plan is a component of the Marin co- County Code that um, regulates development similar to our development code. Um, Marin County first adopted a local coastal program in 1982. And then from 1982 to 2008, there are about 15 amendments to the local coastal program. It wasn't until 2008, though, that the county decided to overhaul the local coastal program and began a multi-year planning process to uh, do that. Um, And in 2019, after, you know, over 11 years of planning, The California Coastal Commission certified the updated local coastal program, except for policies and regulations related to environmental hazards. So from 2019 to about 2021, we had a large portion of the local coastal program certified by the the commission, but we didn't put it into place until they uh, certified the use of a hybrid local coastal program in 2021. So that was in August of 2021. Um, And so now this new hybrid local coastal program includes the local coastal program amendments that took place through that work from 2008 to 2019, and also the policies and regulations associated with environmental hazards that are contained within the 1982 approved local coastal program. Um, So we have been using uh, staff Planning staff has been using this hybrid model for over a year and a half. And through that process, we've identified a number of text corrections and cross-indexing clarifications that need to be made so that we can implement this uh, document with ease of use and everybody is interpreting it the same way. Um, We've been calling these technical edits, so I'll kind of keep that thread as I continue on this presentation, and we'll get into more of the specifics about what's changing as part of this work i think the most important thing to to indicate is that no substantive changes are proposed we're not changing the way that the lcp is implemented we're not changing the way that people need to still you know require coastal development permits we're not um really getting into anything other than minor modifications so that it speaks with one voice it's all refer you know cross references are correct and the the uh Numbers are correct, as well. Um, And additionally, uh, we have combined the 1982 Local Coastal Program environmental hazard policies and regulations into the Local Coastal Program so that it's one document. Right now, staff is looking at two separate documents when they're implementing it. Members of the public are looking at two documents. We want everyone to be able to go to one document and see everything in one place one of the big changes that you'll notice in um, all of the edits is that um, previously we were referring to chapters and sections of the code as part of Title 22. Title 22 is our uh, development code for the interior portion of the county. Um, and uh, is separate from development regulations in the coastal zone. So as a result, we are now proposing that the coastal zoning code is Title 20 and all numbering reflects that. Um, there are times when Title 22 is still applicable, and so if you see at uh, number 22, Section 22 in there, that's because it's pulled in through development code through the LCP. We've also proposed minor edits so that the um, The document speaks with a single voice um, through, as I noticed, it was an 11-year process. So they had a lot of different authors. We referred to things as, as different land use titles at one point. For example, second units are now accessory dwelling units. So we made that change. So it's consistent with state law. And that when you read it, everything kind of flows and is referred to as the same thing throughout the document. Additionally, there um, were references that were related to the development code that are not applicable in the coastal zone. So we removed that. Um, For example, uh, I've got up on the slide, uh, protected trees are not uh, part of the local coastal program. So as a result, we removed the protected tree designation from the definitions in the code. Um, and any time that it's not applicable we remove those you'll see definitions that were for land use and then there'd be another land use and it would say coastal now it's just one land use it's all subject to the coastal zoning code we added cross references to the code so that when it's published online we can uh, easily find the sections that are noted that's a big big bulk of the red text in those things. But it's really just for ease of use. And again, as I noted, we have moved everything into a single text so that the public and planners only need to refer to one document. There are uh, land use tables within the uh, dev- or the coastal zoning code. Um, And they they were no longer consistent with the approved document. Because, again, it was an 11 year planning process, a lot of back and forth with Coastal Commission staff and a lot of changes were made in track changes. And when the track changes were accepted, we lost a lot of the numbering and the consistency. So we've gone back and we have looked at previously approved documents resolutions all the materials associated with it to make sure that we're keeping a a consistent string of what the land use tables meant to achieve um, whether or not certain permits are required that's all cleaned up as part of this and this is also something that um, planning staff and Coastal Commission staff had acknowledged that this cleanup was going to be required Um, and so we're just finally bringing it forward but it is something that the Coastal Commission staff has reviewed with us and is supportive of, because they are noticing the same issues that we are when trying to implement the code. I wanna touch on environmental hazards just because it's something that is still ongoing and we are still working with the Coastal Commission to bring forward an environmental hazards section. Um, So we have not adopted new regulations. Instead, we are still applying those 1982 regulations and they will remain in, in, in effect until uh, we bring forward a separate local coastal program amendment specifically for the environmental hazards. Um, again, no changes to the environmental hazard policies and regulations are proposed. And if we want to revisit them, it has to be through a separate local coastal program amendment process. Um, and there are, there are uh, mentions of those policies in the code and the LUP, so we've actually taken them out, but we have committed to coming back when we do the environmental hazards work to address those items. And then the last thing is that, um, as part of the previous local coastal program amendment work, there was a proposal to rezone one property in Inverness, um, and that was to go from open space to residential. This was done and um, approved by the Board of Supervisors and certified by the Coastal Commission, uh, but it was not approved by ordinance. So we're bringing forward today that rezone with an ordinance so that it can be um, legally changed in our in our maps and in our zoning code. And then this slide just. Um, reaffirms what we need to do today, or what we're recommending you do today. And that is to um, first, rec- we, uh, oh, I should step back one, one moment. Um, to make sure that this code is used, we have to make sure that we are rescinding previous regulations that are applicable in the coastal zone. So that's why that, that first recommendation is to rescind unit one and unit two except for the environmental hazards and adopt a resolution um, certifying the 2021 local coastal program land use plan technical edits. Um, We recommend that a resolution recommending that the Board of Supervisors adopts an ordinance that approves the proposed 2021 local coastal program implementation plan technical edits are are done. Um, We also are recommending that the Board of Supervisors adopts an ordinance that rescinds Title, 2022, Title 22I, pardon me, which was the previous interim uh, zoning code for the coastal zone, and replacing it with the new um, Title 20 implementation plan that we've brought forward today, and then also approving a, recommend, a resolution that recommends the Board of Supervisors adopt an ordinance to amend that individual parcel In Inverness that we just mentioned. Thank you. Yeah, we're available for any questions you may have.
0: Commissioners, have any? Commissioner Uh, Curran. I uh,
5: thank you. I I have a question from that arises from the staff report. Is appropriate now. Um, The on page um, six of the staff report, um, it refers to. It says residential shall be. This is in the um, in the uh, uh, commercial commercial um, zone, Um, uh, 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 village commercial. It it says residential shall be limited to the upper floors uh, and or lower floors not located on the road facing side of the property. Residential uses on the ground floor of a new or existing structure on the road-facing side of the property, shall only be allowed if provided that, et cetera. Those two sentences seem contradictory to me. me. On the one hand, you're saying it can only be this, and then you're saying, however, it can not. Um, Could you just explain that to me? I mean, one, one permits it and one limits it.
8: Yeah so the um there's a specific zone within a commercial zone in the coastal zone where it says if you ha- this exact thing where if um if you're going to have residential it should be on the second floor because it's the commercial core area mm-hmm. and and If you're outside of the commercial core, it can be the opposite. So it's really focusing on the commercial core, and that, I think, is a little bit more clear when you see it in context with the actual land use table, because each one of these numbers shows up in the land use table and pulls in this this regulation. So it's only applicable on certain land uses. It's not applicable for the whole land use table. And so when when you look at the zone, you then find this note Number three, and then you determine if it's within the commercial core. Then the the, the first part is what applies, and then if it's outside of the the commercial core, you have a little bit more flexibility.
5: Okay, so that it that doesn't make that 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 doesn't say that here, but you're saying in the actual text that it's it's more explicit. Yeah,
8: sorry. I was just providing yeah. the clarification of what that footnote is, but mm-hmm. yeah, when you use it in context with the land use table, it clarifies when it comes into play.
5: Yeah, and I, I, I did go to that table. Um, I, I'll look at it again, um, but good. I'm glad there's a distinction, because I think it's a very important concept to uphold mm-hmm. um, when residential, as much as we all want residential, when residential starts occurring on the Street front in a commercial district, it really starts eroding um, the ability for it to have enough critical mass to even be a commercial road. So, Mm -hmm. um, okay, I'll look at that more more closely. I had uh, um, uh, oh, another question. Um, uh, It's on page five of the staff report. It talks about um, uh, on agricultural land uses. Says only dwellings for teachers or custodial staff, etc. Uh, explain that to me. How teachers came to be singled out that way? Much as we love teachers,
8: we do love teachers. No, um, I, let me let me take a look at it in conjunction with the footnote.
5: Five one A. The pages don't quite line yeah. up No, of the no, I'm lining. taking a
8: look, actually. And so I'm looking for that specific number seven. One of the things that we tried to do is that if the number wasn't pulled into the table, we removed it from the footnote because there was no mechanism to make the footnote applicable. Um, and as I am looking at this, I am not finding a number seven within the land use table. So I think actually what – oh, no, there it is. It's an open area, so it's a use permit. It's only mentioned one time for single-family dwellings, attached or detached, as part of that, and so it is. It is an applicable use table. I don't think I can speak to why there's a specific call out for teachers or custodial staff, um, and that I think is, you know, also part of the fact that this has been a very long planning process. We were not involved in it, and we're here to to try and clean up clean up the regulations. Um, I'm only thinking maybe that there's some open area associated with a school somewhere that allows them some flexibility for building um, teacher housing, which is something uh, that, that would, we've that
5: seen. would be expi- explicit to school property.
8: Yeah, we should we can look into that more, and Claire,
5: because yeah, that that would explain it. But I didn't get that from well. Yeah, just because right it's here.
8: it's only associated with open area. Have you seen that?
3: Yeah, you know, there's. There's probably numerous questions about the substance of what the regulations say, and um, as Kathleen was mentioning, we've gotten good feedback from Coastal Commission staff on the changes that we're proposing to make. But um, we want a um, uh, a speedy process with the Coastal Commission, and that really relies on not making any substantive changes. Um, and it's easy to start pulling at you know various threads within the within the whole because. There's numerous changes substantively that we could make, but we want to really maintain the integrity of that approach so that we are not proposing any substantive amendments. So I don't understand why that footnote talks about teachers or custodial staff separately. Uh, We will look into that, but at the same time, I'm very hesitant to start making what could be considered substantive changes uh, rather than just looking at the formatting or how it's set up.
5: Okay, I understand that. Um, I assumed there'd be an easy answer to this and just wasn't evident from what I was reading, but um, I I, I certainly get your point and we need to move forward with this, but um, maybe maybe you'll find an answer for me.
0: Commissioner Desser?
1: Okay, I hope these aren't substantive, you guys. Um, (laughs) One, on uh, it's Sort of on, considering the ADUs on page 31, we sorry, have page li-
3: 31 of, uh, of, the, of the, the red line. Okay, of the, uh, of the coastal zoning.
1: Um, you know, we ha- we, put the, the plan. we put the we put the 30-day limitation in our planning code, and there's no 30-day limitation on rental, or you know, at least 30 days in the coastal zone, and. I don't know if we want to do that or not. I mean, I, I would want to do it, but um, I also think there's kind of an interesting conflict, I'm so hesitant to bring this up, with the desire for uh, low-cost low visitor serving on the coast <laughs> um, and ADUs, which we're saying are specifically for housing. So, And then my other question is also an ADU question, which uh, it has a setback, are those setback and side yard limitations in the coastal zone the same as, uh, for ADUs, the same as we have in the code? Because it didn't seem to me that they were.
3: Yeah, thanks for bringing this up, because it's, it's an important issue. So I think the, the the request that you're making, we would see as a substantive change. But I don't think that we need to make that, and here's the here's the reason. So there's a number of sections in the development code which relate directly to what we're required to do under state law. And so... Those sections that relate directly to what we're required to do under state law, including the ADU section, are what we apply in the coastal zone. It's because state law governs, and those are the sections that we use to apply that state law. So the requirement that you're talking about um, in the development code will apply in the coastal zone.
1: But isn't it, but I thought that the, you know, and I don't have this, like, engraved on my brain but i thought that the rules for adus in general it's not so automatic in the coastal zone as it is other places in the county
3: the standards are the same what's different is the permitting process Right, right right so the standards are the same but whereas in the interior we would not be allowed to require any type of discretionary review in the coastal zone you have to do a coastal permit for most, not for every ADU, but, but for other, most ADUs. But
1: all the other rules about standards seconds. will apply. Okay.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, what about the 30 day thing?
3: You think that
1: you can bring that in? That will apply. And then I'm sure you're not going to want to get into this because it would be substantive, but I'm just going to ask.
3: It's hard, it's hard, I know. We felt the same way. It's really hard to. Well, not well but, get so into.
1: I know uh, people come to me who have houses, say, uh, in Marshall, and they want to replace a window, and they have to get a coastal permit. They don't, you know if it's not in the coastal zone, you don't have to, You know, it can be ruled de minimis, and you don't need to go through this whole permitting process. And I don't know if that's something maybe we can get to in the hazards, but it really is a burden on people who want to make very minor repairs that aren't going to change the look of their property, the size of their property, and they have to go through a tortured process, which, of course, causes a lot of people to just say, we're going to do it without a permit. Um, so I don't know. Is the hazards going to address this? Is there any possibility to lighten the burden on people that just want to make de minimis changes in the coastal zone?
3: Um, actually, what we found is that the new code requires far fewer coastal permits for minor projects than the old code.
1: Even in the coastal zone, yes. because I, I was looking zone. at it specifically. Because when it's not, you can be sort of basically waived if it's determined not to be a significant thing in the
3: coastal zone. And, and the reason is because uh, improvements to single-family residential development, which includes accessory uh, accessory buildings, um, or actually improvements to non-residential as well, are both exempted. So, in other words, if you're building something new on a vacant lot, you have to go through a coastal permit. But in general.
9: Um, You don't have
3: to do that for improvements to existing residentials or other structures.
1: Even when you're, like, on the water, because that's the issue. I I mean, I was reading it, and it looks like, yeah, you you know, it's – there's not – except for there. Yes. There's a specific exception, and so I'm wondering about people who are at Stinson Beach, in Marshall, on the water. I don't – I, maybe i failed to read it carefully, but
3: it's... So what you're talking about are, so you have coastal permit requirements for development, right? And then you have exemptions from those requirements. And then you have exceptions to those exemptions. It's like, pure I mean, incredible. Then you have exceptions to those exemptions. And those exceptions now um, include things like if you're, if you're in an environmentally sensitive habitat area. Generally, those are not going to apply. If it's a structure, it's not an environmentally sensitive habitat area. But we always check, and that is a new requirement. So that would absolutely be a substantive requirement, and in my view, it's a requirement that we are not going to get through the, the Coastal Commission. That was long and hard fought. So it's exactly those types of things that would basically just remove this process. It's really important for us to get this through the Coastal Commission without any substantive requirements because we are acutely aware of the fact that there are a lot of substantive changes that we want to be able to make, including the hazard section, including uh, dealing with the housing element, um, including many other substantive issues which we've identified, but we don't feel like we can move forward with those because we do not have a solid foundation. What we're trying to do here today is build that solid foundation to facilitate the substantive requirements that we will move into as soon as this is done.
1: Okay. All right. I don't, I don't want to delay things, but just coming back to the 30 day thing, just as being a lawyer speaking, I think it just wanted to be explicit that we're going to bring in the ADU limitations that exist in the code because the fact that it speaks to ADUs and is silent on the 30 days could cause a smart lawyer, perhaps, I'm not saying that's me, to say, well, you know, it's called out there, and it's not called out here, so the 30 days don't apply. So I don't know if putting that in is, is substantive. I just think it's something to be considered.
3: I, I mean, yeah, we can always get sued, but I mean, I I, I think our chances of winning are pretty good, because this is in-state law, Okay. even if the Coastal Commission doesn't like it. So, I, you know, it's the battle between HCD and the Coastal Commission, that I think the HCD would win on this one.
0: Thanks. Commissioner Dickinson, and then Commissioner Montalano.
3: I had a
2: <clears throat> couple questions, and... Uh, First, as I recall, uh, somewhere in the staff report, it indicated that the Coastal Commission staff had encouraged the county to take this step, to to put all the regulations in a single hybrid document. It's not
8: that they encouraged it. It's that it was communicated throughout the process that we would come back and... Revisit all of the changes they wanted to keep the numbering and keep the format the same so that people who had been following along the project for years could Keep up and know where the changes were and if we suddenly came in and said we're changing the whole way This mm-hmm. is numbered. It's gonna confuse the process so that was communicated and, and we're just doing that work now,
3: but I would add I mean mm-hmm. and staff is I mean, they're trying to deal with the same thing as we are because they have to implement this. And so they're trying to understand, like, you know, where, what, what, why is this cross-indexing something that doesn't actually exist or what have you? So I think they, they are supportive of us cleaning this up because they have to deal with the same problems in implementation. Is it
2: uh, safe to assume that the Coastal Commission staff supports uh, the staff recommend- recommendation to us? Have they indicated... Yeah, we've Other met. With
8: the, yeah, we've met with Coastal Commission staff to walk through the changes and discuss what needs to be done. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean it's been a long process going back to I think it was like 2011 or something, and we've been, had a, over those years we've had a lot of back and forth between the county staff and the Coastal Commission staff, and mm-hmm. um, I just hope that <laughs> that we're not going to get to the point where they then uh, find something that is object- objectionable to them. My next question had to do with the one property in Inverness on Vision Road, I think it was. Um, Jeremy, do you recall if that's the one that came to the commission with some application, and we discovered that part of it was zoned OA? I'm just curious whether that's the same property. Yeah,
3: it's the same. It's the same property, okay. and, and so um, it was. It was. It was a mistake. I think back in the 70s, and then it got. It was unclear, so we cleaned it up problem is we didn't actually get an ordinance to to make that change it was just a resolution so we're just correcting that okay
2: because i as i recall the board did something but i guess they never uh, did it by ordinance so
3: right they yeah they passed the resolution to send it on to the coastal commission and the coastal commission approved it so i mean the rezoning is essentially done we're just you know dotting an i here crossing a t um
2: and my next question has to do with we received a detailed letter from uh, EAC, that mostly just makes references to you know is this correct is this a typo it doesn't really take s- substantial issue with anything in there uh, has staff had an opportunity to go through that
3: yeah and and most of those, oh, changes, yeah, those are, changes are in what you're looking at okay,
2: yeah. okay. so um, our version actually includes some response okay that's good yeah. because as usual they did a very detailed letter and and. Some of them made sense. Some of them, I didn't know whether it did or not. And finally, in terms of the short-term rental, I think there's a bigger issue going on in terms of the in terms of the short-term rentals at all uh, altogether, and that is uh, an issue being considered by the staff now to come back, yeah. um, which would apply to ADUs and other. Um, uh, any other residential situation, I guess. And there is definitely a conflict with the Coast Commission there in terms of encouraging visitor serving use uh, versus encouraging uh, permanent residential use. But those are my um, questions. Thank
7: you. Commissioner Montevano. Thank you. <clears throat> so on page 23 of the uh, redlined local coastal program, um, it talks about guest houses. And I assume. I know that you're not making substanti- substantive changes, but uh, I'm just wondering if guest houses, because now we have JDU's guest houses, accessory dwelling units, um, is the planning staff considering folding this in, or like how is the approach to guest houses like under contemplation of being changed, or consideration as a JDU or a DU instead, or
3: j and ADU is is really a use issue rather than a development issue. So if you have a building, um, depending on whether or not it meets the, uh, the, the definition of a guest house here, it's gonna be a guest house or not. So we're not proposing any changes um, to the wording that, which is here. Um, the, like I said, the ADU and, by extension, the um, j issues are kind of addressed because we're implementing state law. Um, so we don't see making any changes to this uh, section here. We're just changing the the numbering.
7: Okay. Um. So, so you're saying that the if you want a new ADU or JADU, you basically refer back to the um, development code uh, as it says on page thirty here, um, and it says under design characteristics under C. Um, Accessory dwelling unit number five. Accessory dwelling units shall conform to all of the zoning and development standards, lot coverage, height, setbacks, design, FIR, etc. of the residing zone zoning district which governs the lot. So, how can you leave that in, considering that you can't control those things with ADUs?
3: Right. So, I mean, I, so we're we're not trying that. That's a problem in terms of state law, and state law governs. So we're not going through and trying to make a change to link it up to state law. We're not making any substantive changes of that uh, that nature. We're just trying to fix the formatting.
7: Oh, okay. So it would be then you'd go to the state law. where I, I believe there's some place in there that it says, it's like, refer to... Oh, yeah, the next chapter under E, it says... Accessory dwelling unit permit requirements established in Chapter 22.56. So that would be the development code and everything, just which we talked yeah. about. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, so would ADUs be exempt from coastal development permits or no?
3: It depends. Um, ADUs that are within where you're, where you're converting a portion of an existing residence are exempt from coastal permits, coastal development permits. Um, otherwise, they need to go through a coastal development permit. But that coastal development permit does not go through the public hearing process. That was an accord between HCD and the Coastal Commission that they can be handled just administratively.
7: Okay, and it, is it listed here in the Coastal Development Permit not required, categorically excluded development? Is it listed there, or?
3: Again, we're, we're not making any of those <laughs> substantive changes to even clarify that.
7: Oh, okay. Um, okay, I just have one more question. And that is on page 195. So, it's the trees, Heritage trees. The description. So I assume that you're updating this to what the Marin County heritage tree sizes are, and this is just an update, or
8: we're just removing protected trees. So protect because protected trees are not mentioned at all in the land use plan or in the um, implementation plan. Um, So we're removing them. Heritage trees are still part of the language and are mentioned and. Significant vegetation is already protected, so it's really just removing something that is not applicable and does not get pulled in anywhere in the, in the code or in the land use plan. But like okay, yeah. those are my questions,
0: okay. Commissioner Desser.
1: Yeah, are, are you guys kind of keeping track of these areas where? we do have substantive
8: yeah we have a we have a substantive okay. change like wish list and things that we identify so if you identify anything we can add that to that list as well, well. Just the, yeah you know, a few things
0: have come up
1: today
8: yes yeah okay. mm-hmm. yeah for sure they're the, yeah
0: and they're on our, our list already yeah any further questions from commission um is there anyone from the public who'd like to address the commission on this issue Seeing none. Okay, I'm going to close the public comment air- time, and um, it does seem like these are just ad- you know administrative technical edits. Substance will have to wait for a later date. So, um, Jeremy, <clears throat> are we going to um, do? You, do we need to take each of these four resolutions one by one, or can we take them as a suite?
3: Uh, I, I mean, if it, if it's unanimous for all of them, I think then. Um, you can probably just do them as a suite. If there's, I mean, if some people don't want to support some but not others, then you should probably take them one by one.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we have, I'm just going to go through them really quick. A resolution recommending that the Board of Supervisors rescind Unit 1 and Unit 2 except for the environmental hazards and adopt a resolution adopting the 2021 Local Coastal Program land use plan technical edits. Number two, a resolution recommending that the Board of Supervisors adopt an Ordinance that approves the 2021 Local Coastal Program Implementation Plan Technical Edits. Number three, a resolution recommending that the Board of soups adopts an ordinance that, one, rescinds Title 22-I and Title 20-I and replaces 20-I with the 2021 Local Coastal Program Implementation Standards, now referred to as Title 20, the Coastal Zonings Code, blah, 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 codifying the Implementation Plan and Associated Edits. And number four, a resolution recommending that the Board of Supervisors adopts an ordinance to amend the local coastal program map for assessors parcel number 10933005. Do I have a motion? To approve those resolutions. So move. Commissioner Curran move. Second. And second. Commissioner Lynn second. Do can, all in favor? Aye. 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 Aye.
2: Aye. And Jeremy, you're sure it's okay to do it all in a single vote?
3: I think so, yeah. I think the board has done that.
10: I make one further comment,
11: Commissioner.
10: So, on the list of substantive issues, I think it might be useful to explore further the the guest house category because, as I'm understanding from the conversation, it's essentially habitable space. It's essentially a bedroom. Um, But now that, through the state law, there are other options for actual dwellings with an array of types of ADUs. Perhaps, as a substantive amendment, it would be useful to reassess that uh, the availability of the guest house. I don't know it. I'm in favor of that. I'm just saying look at it.
3: We will look at it cl- more closely, but I, I don't think that the assumption that it's habitable space is actually accurate.
10: If, you have, a large garag- or or if
3: you have a large garage with the utility sink, I think it would be counted as guest house.
10: Based on the definition... It looks like habitable space based on that definition.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well,
10: it just says what you can't have, really. Right. <laughs> right. <Yeah.
3: laughs> we but we will look into but it because it it's related be on the to list the. I is all I'm saying. Yeah, it's related to the whole ADU and uh, that whole yeah. thing. So we'll take a look at it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you all very much.
10: The ADU, the ADU approaches the more recent approach to that kind of flexibility.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, thank you. Moving on to item number five.
3: You can just have a quick recess while we set up here. Of course. Yep.
0: yep. We'll take a couple minutes, and I'll take this time to ask that if you would like to make a comment during the public comment time, to if you'd like to address the Planning Commission, that you fill out one of those pink cards over there by Ana Hilda and hand it to Ana Hilda so that we can have a record of who's speaking. So far, I have. Three people, Toby, I'm going to, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your names, but Toby Nemec, Cheryl Ruggiero, and Christina Chin, um, Nemec, thank you. Um, I apologize and thank you for that. And uh, well, when we get to the public comment period, I'll call your name. Table, I think. Oh. okay um, while we're waiting for people to fill out their cards let's can, we can call this this item to order the um, Appeal of David Alexander um, et al. And design review, oh, NEMIC appeal, I'm sorry. NEMIC appeal of the David Alexander Coastal Permit and design review.
3: Okay. Um, Once people are finished signing up, um, I will turn it over to Erin Yata. I don't think she's been before you before, so this is the first for her.
0: Welcome. (laughs)
3: Yeah. So so um, she's going to lead you through, describe the project a little bit, and then we'll talk about the uh, basis for appeal. Aaron, why don't you start?
12: Yes, this is my first time appearing before you. Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, today we are joined by the applicant, David Alexander, and the appellants, Toby Nemec, Christina Chin Nemec, and their attorney, Cheryl Ruggiero. Um, we come together today to consider the basis of appeal, and the merits of this project. The project site is a vacant parcel located on Elm Road that extends from the corner of Grove Road to the Hawthorne Road in Bolinas. The appellant's property is located across the street at 210 Grove Road, Bolinas. Here is an aerial view of the project site. The proposal is to construct a 780-square-foot barn, a 1,000-square-foot hoop greenhouse, a 100-square-foot shed, and two 2,500-gallon plastic water tanks. The associated land use is a plant nursery without on-site sales that is principally permitted in the CRA B2 zoning district. The plant nursery would use the three existing wells that are permitted on-site for irrigation. Pictured is the elevation of the barn as proposed by the applicant. Here is the location of the proposed barn, hoop greenhouse, shed, and water (laughs) tanks. The existing wells have also been identified in the slide by red arrows. The project was first submitted to the planning division on August 18, 2022. The project was deemed complete on October 26, 2022. Per EHS's transmittal response dated October 17, 2022, they deemed the project complete and indicated that the deed restriction would need to be placed on the property, stating that when the property is sold, a new owner will need to demonstrate the ability to dispose of sewage properly they also indicated that the existing wells are to be used strictly for irrigation purposes and not to be considered for drinking water. EHS staff did not require the installation of a septic system on site or bathroom facilities because Mr. Alexander and his family have access to facilities on another property in Bolinas. On January 26, 2023, the deputy zoning administrator held a hearing, and issued a decision, conditionally approving the project. The DZA conditioned the proposed barn to be lowered so as not to exceed a maximum height of 15 feet above surrounding grade. A condition of approval also required that the barn be subject to the building, pardon me. Um, a condition of approval also required that the barn be subject to building permit condition building permit approval and height verification by a licensed professional. Another condition of the approval requires the property owner to record a deed restriction stating that the buildings on the property will not be converted to residential uses unless prior authorization is granted by the county. A timely appeal of the DZA decision was received on February 9th, 2023 by the appellants. Pictured is an image taken on the subject property looking northwesterly in the direction of Hawthorne Road. The basis of appeal can be categorized in the following concerns. The assertion that the existing wells on site are not legal and grievances with the existing wells. The assertion that the proposed land use would be incompatible with the neighborhood. Unsubstantiated evidence of environmentally sensitive habitat area on the project site. Responses have been provided in greater detail in the staff report to your commission in summary. The wells are permitted and no new wells or changes to existing wells are proposed for this project. A plant nursery without on-site sales is an allowable and principally permitted land use in the CRA B2 zoning district. Um, There's no evidence of environmentally sensitive habitat area on the project site. Staff received a biological site assessment that concluded the property is categorized as non-native grassland. There is no evidence of a wetland or seasonal pond on the site, and there is no rare species on the site.
3: We just got that today, and so hopefully you received it as well.
12: Pictured is an image taken on the subject property looking southwesterly toward the corner of Elm Road and Hawthorne Road.
0: Is it possible, sorry, is it possible to take, take out the, um, the, the closed the captioning? captioning? It's hard to see the bottom of the slides.
3: Yeah, sorry, we're not able hmm. to do that.
0: Okay, no problem. sorry about that. That's all right.
12: Thus, staff recommends that your planning commission review the administrative record, conduct a public hearing, and deny the NEMIC appeal uphold the de- deputy zoning administrator's action conditionally approving the project. Thank you.
0: So, any questions from the commission for staff? Commissioner Dickinson.
2: I had um, two questions. One is that the... Um, con- Condition recommended by the Environmental Health Services Division uh, seemed a little strange. Um, And I think I understood from your presentation that it's because the current owner's brother lives on an adjacent property that septic service can be provided there. But it just seems strange. If it really was a plant nursery... Do you need a septic system I mean, yeah. it seems like a strange requirement. If I plan have a pro- property and I plant an orchard, do I need a septic system to go with that
3: um, yeah i 'm not sure that i 'm not sure why you would need that, but as a practical matter, I mean if you 're working all day um, on your farm, then you need to have some place to go to the bathroom, and I think in this case, they were satisfied that. The owners are planning on doing that, and they do have a place to go. So um, that's really not an issue for for now. But if that does get sold in the future, then, you know, there needs to be some kind of provision. So I think that's that's why that condition is... It
2: just seemed like it was a strange deed restriction, if that's not normally required. If you're only growing plants, does the code actually require that you need a septic system?
3: I don't know EHS's code well enough. Uh, My my,
2: um, other question had to do with... um, and this was the original uh, biological assessment. Um, Paragraph four at the bottom says, even though the monarch butterflies are not on the property and the eucalyptus trees are not on the property, says nevertheless, as a safeguard to protect overwintering populations of this species, in the event you move forward um, with future construction activities on the site, I would recommend temporary fencing flagging to be erected so that the construction equipment is not able to move within 100 feet of the existing nearby grove on the adjacent property. This fencing flagging would need to be in place from October through April. I just wondered why that didn't end up as a condition of approval.
3: Um. Well, it's not being recommended by the um, biologist based on the most recent review of, of and site visit and okay, in the letter
2: that we got today that we yeah. haven't read yet. It's, okay, so right. he rescinded that recommendation. Right. Okay, thank you.
0: Any other questions for staff before we move to? Yes, Commissioner Montalato.
7: Hi. Um, <clears throat> so, can you talk a little bit about um, agricultural workers? Right, automatic rights and I think that it come, connects to Don Dickinson's question about providing a bathroom because if you have a worker you have to be able to provide a bathroom so I'm just wondering and Jeremy you bring up a really good point about like transfer sale and I know that conditional use permits that when uh, you know they're, they're received and then you sell the property and it just goes with it and there's no kind of analysis so can we talk about or can you explain to me like how that works, what the restrictions are, what the automatic rights are?
3: So just, just to be clear, agricultural is a principally permitted use, so no conditional use permit is, is necessary. Um, I don't know what rights agricultural workers would have. Um, I think that would be in Wisconsin state law. But in this case, I think the, um, the applicants are intending to farm this themselves and um, use the the property next door for their bathroom facilities.
7: Yeah, now I'm asking about the um, agricultural worker housing that's permitted in this zone, in the coastal zone, which is CRA, right? This is, yeah, so um, there's a... It says agricultural worker housing providing minimum accommodations consisting of no more than 36 beds, blah, blah blah. It's not going to be cal- uh, calculating residential density. So I'm just wondering, is the approval of this farm does that automatically entitle them to some type of worker housing? Is that Is it you know 50 acres only? Like what are, what are the
4: restrictions on?
3: That? No, so it does not automatically entitle them to agricultural worker housing, um, as indicated by the zoning, but also by um, by the deed restriction. If they want to convert anything to an agricultural, to a residential use, they would need to come back through and get um, authorization from the county, Um, which they can seek to do, but that's a separate process.
7: Okay. Okay, and how would the process happen if they were to transfer the, if they were to sell the property and it it has this connection, you know, this approval, and one of the conditions of this approval is that, oh, they have, you know, they have facilities nearby. Like, how how would that, that's what I'm saying, is like, how would that work? Like, you guys wouldn't even, would you even know if there was a transfer of sale? Like, what would enact this because that could be a problem of, you know.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, the code enforcement process does um, operate by complaint. So the fact that there would be a deed restriction requiring this would certainly bolster our ability to enforce.
5: Okay, thank you. Commissioner Curran? Um, I, I had a, some similar housing questions. So um, mm-hmm. what you, I understand the, about the, and I read and you said about the deed restriction, um, uh, were they to were they to, um, seek to have residential that they'd have to come back and and address uh, it through that uh, process um, it, is that ent- is that entirely the case um with the changes in state law and housing um and when ministerial approvals would still have to actually have get a discretionary permit for that or would it simply yeah. be
3: they still need to get a permit I mean, even if we didn't have the deed restriction they still have, it's it's development they need to come back um, would for be, the coastal development but permit. would it be
5: but would it be ministerial under a new state law about adus and no. and
3: not under current state law it would not okay An so, adu needs to be accessory to a um, residential use yes
5: yeah. yes I, I, I as does a jdu i i, I understand but there's um uh, and other state law about subdividing um, the lot and things like that, is that... Um, SB
3: 9? SB 9 does not apply because this is not an urbanized area as defined by the census.
5: Oh, you're right. That's right. I forgot about that criteria. Okay. And the other thing that uh, occurs to me about... It is a little awkward having... Um, even though I, I, I see no problem with the agricultural use that's proposed, um, it it is a little... Uh, Odd uh, to have some of your related facilities be on an on a adjacent pro- property that has no, um, le- no legal nexus. Um, it's just kind of a convenience um, that may or may not persist in the future. Is there any way to control or deed restrict or anything about not having portable, f- portable facilities put on the property? I, if I were a neighbor, I wouldn't particularly want to have a permanent porta potty on an adjacent property. Sure. Um, and it just seems that if that's, that might not be unreasonable. Um,
3: you want to condition that, that's why We're kind of getting into the merits, I think, a little, a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry,
5: <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was really asking that my principal question was about what they could do on residential. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Any other questions for staff before we open it up to public comment? I just
10: wanted to yeah, clarify, you talked about, uh, um, I'm I'm only concerned about the issue of potential employees and or helpers, so you said they intended to work the land themselves. So is there anything in the application that explicitly say, says that? So um, would it be necessary, uh, since we have a number of conditions, to to specify that? that there Because we have a condition that relates to restroom facilities offsite, would it be important to specify that there are no employees as part of this application. Yeah, I'm not if sure. If they came back and wanted to do employees, they would have a, they would then have an avenue to pursue to do that.
3: Yeah, so remember, this is a development permit. It's not a conditional use permit. So having requirements related to use in that way is uh, a stretch. Um, and also, I'm not sure that EHS really intended that. I, I, my understanding is that's what they think that they're going to do. But my, my guess is that EHS figured that if they're going to have someone helping and that person also be allowed to use the bathroom next door. I'm not sure that they were saying that it's only for the owner. But maybe you can put that question to the applicant because, like I said, I don't,
10: you know. right. Perhaps they could clarify that. But if that is the case, then is it even necessary to talk about the bathroom facilities next door? Maybe it's just not necessary. If it's not required by the code or the regulatory agency, why is it even there?
3: We'll take a look at that. I, I think maybe uh, posing the same question to, um, to the applicant would be a good idea. Mm-hmm.
10: I mean, just, I'm, I'm concerned about the transfer on f- for future owners, so would this, the same situation might not apply, so why is it important to us? Right.
0: Any further questions for staff? Okay, so um, we're gonna open it up to public comment. The way that we typically do this is the applicant any combination of you will have 10 minutes to present to the commission, and then the appellant will have 10 minutes. Any combination of you, I have your your cards, um, you know. So that's great. Um, the applicant, if you can identify yourself, so that I can. Um, I, okay, great. Take- Absolutely. I- Do you want to come up and, and address the commission? You'll have 10 minutes.
13: Yep. Then- Correct. People have come to make some comments. Absolutely. But I have a 10 minute presentation. Terrific. Okay.
0: We're okay. here for it. OK, great. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, I've never yes. given a PowerPoint
13: presentation before, so this is a first. So I'm doing my best. Awesome. I, I, uh, and I down to 8 and 1⁄2 but I, I wasn't prepared to say next slide and all that stuff. So oh, if I screw up, please. We're all
0: good. Up. We're all good. OK, thank you. Um, okay. Take your time-ish. <laughs> <laughs>
10: okay so um
13: okay, all right here we go good afternoon and thank you all for being here today and thank you for your attention i would like to start out by emphasizing that on january 26 2023 our proposed project was approved by the dza with conditions after the appellants had called for a hearing in this presentation uh next, next slide Um, In this presentation, I would like to review the history of the property, outline the vision for our project, and address the appeal of Next slide. In 2011, our property was purchased, I purchased the property. In 2011 through 2013, we cleared debris and lots of garbage off of the property, which was littered pretty bad. 2014, uh, Julie and I planted our first small garden with high hopes of one day starting our farm. In spring of 2021, Marin Fire asked property owners to clear flammable brush from their land. In compliance, we cleared pampas grass, poison oak, scotch broom, briars, etc., and delivered several dump truck loads to our local resource recovery site. In August of 2021, we purchased water tanks from the B-PUD in Belenus, and we brought in some trailers and a tractor thinking that we were okay to start working our land in that way. In November of 2021, B-PUD delivered the water tanks to our site. Then on December 9th, 2021, the county notified us that we were reported for violations, including several allegations that were untrue. We cleared the existing violations and were exonerated with false allegations in writing and began working on the permitting process. On January 26th of 2023, the DZA approved our project with, conti- with conditions which were acceptable to us. Next slide. This is how the property looked in 2011 when the when the land was purchased. Next slide. And this is how it looks now after a lot of hard work in preparing it to start our, our farm as, as described in the uh, site plan. Um, our mission, <coughs> next slide, okay. Our mission is to be able to work our land and to provide food for our family and our friends and our community. Next slide. Um, this slide is the site plan, which I think Aaron covered great, so I'm just going to go right on from there, which she described everything. Okay, so now on to the appeals claim part of this. Um, as far as the wells are concerned, there are three cl- uh, claims that the appellants are making um, regarding our wells. Appeal, appeal claim number one is alleging that the wells were constructed in violation of California law. Appeal claim number two, Um, is alleging that the appellants have been deprived of their property rights without due process. And appeal claim number six um, states that the wells were abandoned for many years. So the three wells in question have been proven to be legally permitted for agricultural use throughout the years several times. Um, And then something very important is that the legally permitted wells that we have pre- (laughs) in my Exhibit 2. The legality of the wills was brought up and confirmed also several times during the DZA hearing on 126-23, and in Exhibit 3 is a transcript uh, that was actually provided by the appellants um, of the were never abandoned or misused and that can be seen in exhibit six and again in exhibit three on page mark 19 on page that's Mark 19 where that where it's highlighted okay appeal claim number three the Alexander project <coughs> rests on land with the highest rank of biodiversity and they're claiming that a biological site assessment is required so in section 5b from the January 26 resolution approving our permit reads the property does not contain any wetlands coastal streams, riparian vegetation, um, any endangered species, coastal dunes, or groves of trees. Additionally, the staff conducted a site visit and determined a biological site assessment would not be necessary because no evidence of the presence of environmentally sensitive habitat areas was observed on the subject's site, end quote. Additionally, Daniel Edelstein, who is an approved and qualified biologist by U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, as well as the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, conducted a field study and submitted a biological report to the site in 2009 on behalf of the previous owner, where he concluded that the project would not result in any potential significant adverse biological impacts to the environment and that there were no presence of monarch butterflies, rickenseckers scavenger beetles, or coast yellow leptocyphon, which is an endangered plant, by the way. The county determined that a biological site assessment would not be necessary for the the 2009 coastal permit application as well. Um, And you can see in Exhibit 5, which is the letters from Mr. Edelstein. So we subsequently hired Mr. Edelstein to prove us to um, to provide us with an update of his 2009 biological report and he conducted a new field survey on April 16th, 2023 and has again concluded that no mitigation measures are necessary because no significant negative impacts are expected for our project. His findings also confirm that there is no wetland on or adjacent to, the, to our land, as none of the criteria that determine a wetland are present, the three criteria being that the soils on our land are not consistent with hydrological wetland soils, there are no plants on the site that designate a wetland, and there are no perennial, intermittent, or ephemeral streams, lakes, or ponds on or adjacent to the site. Furthermore, Mr. Edelstein concluded that there are no California red-legged frogs on or adjacent to the site, citing the the California Natural Diversity Database, which was updated in January 2023, that does not list our site's area as critical habitat and does not list the California red-legged frog on our site or nearby it. No documented records of California red-legged frogs exist uh, in the Elm Road vicinity. California red-legged frogs need ponded water from January to July in order to breed, and they only vocalize from underwater as cited from the Western Field Guide to Reptiles and Amphibians by Robert Stebbins, which is the gold standard for determining such things. There is no habitat for dis- dispersal or breeding on or adjacent to the site. Hence, any sounds that are heard on the road at our property, uh, on the road and at our property by frogs are usually always the common Sierra and tree frog who vocalize continuously. The uh, California red-legged frogs do, do call periodically from under deep ponded water, which is not present on or adjacent to our site. Furthermore, Mr. Edelstein determined that it would be impossible to distinguish the sound of California red-legged frog from the sound file submitted by the applicants. Most likely, any sounds that are made by frogs in the vicinity are usually always the Sierra tree frog. Mr. Edelstein also confirmed that the muddy trail from the picture on and along Hawthorne Road is just that, mud from a lot of rain, from a very rainy winter, and definitely not part of a wetland. Also, there, are no, there is no pond or standing water on the site, um, and included in Exhibit 6 are historical satellite pictures from Google Earth taken between 1993 and 2021, and please note that there is no pond or standing water in any of these pictures. The dates of the photographs are located at the bottom of each one, and I did use every photograph available on Google Earth. Appeal claim number four, the Alexander Project will adversely affect the residents' quiet enjoyment of their homes. Within the, uh, uh, from Section 5B of the January resolution approving our permit reads, within the Coastal Residential Agricultural Zoning District, plant nurseries without, sa- sa- without on-site sales and agricultural accessory structures are principally permitted. And then in appeal claim number five, it was saying that it was anticipated that water from the from the uh, wells will will be unlawfully siphoned to other people. Um, the appellant's assertion, is, assertion, excuse me, is purely speculative, and I think that uh, Mr. Berekit summed it up best at the DZA hearing on January 6th when he said, and I quote, to assume that the applicant will be in violation of something which may not happen would be in violation of their due process, and we cannot do that. This concludes my presentation of the factual reasons why my project is both legal and a benefit to the community. However, I noticed that within this appeal, in a document titled Attachment 2-9, through the appellant has made several very specific accusations in writing about my character and my behavior that are inaccurate and have already caused my family and myself irreparable harm, not only to my reputation in my small community and and in my business, but it's also caused us great emotional trauma. For example, I'm accused of shooting off a gun when I don't own a gun. I'm accused uh, of having large parties on my land, which I have not done, and for allowing someone to live on the land which has not happened. If these accusations in any way influence your decisions, I would like to state for the record that I can disprove them. I have submitted a written document that lists these allegations, and like the, like the opportunity to address them. Um, thank you for your time, and I'm happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you, Mr. Alexander. Um, well, if as questions come up, we'll we'll ask you if if they come up. Best you enough. can, yeah. Thank you very much. Um, okay, so um, the appellants will have 10 minutes. I have, I have. Cheryl Ruggiero and and Mr. N- and Mr. Nemec and Ms. Chin Nemec, um, you can either, uh,
7: yeah,
14: great. Good afternoon. Is this on? Yep. Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, my name is Cheryl Ruggiero. I'm an attorney. I'm representing. Uh, Toby and Christina Nemec, um, who live across the street from this project, as you've seen. And on behalf of the Nemecs, I thank you for allowing us this opportunity to um, address some of the critical issues we think you're facing when deciding whether to approve or deny this project. as you've heard, uh, first and foremost, uh, we believe that the wells infringe upon the Nemec's property rights. We're talking 5th and 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, as well as Article I, Section One of the California Constitution. Um, the wells, where they're located now, infringe upon and encroach onto Toby Nemec's and Christina Nemec's property One well by 21 feet and another well by 7 feet, the radius, the 100 feet radius, 100 foot radius. Um, The county supports its approval of the Alexander Project, stating repeatedly that the wells were properly permitted because they were drilled further than 100 feet from known and documented existing septic system components but that is not and never was the legal standard. California law, based on Bulletin um, 7490, restricts wells within 100 feet of any known or, quote, potential source, end quote, of a a septic tank or its components, such as leach lines. A potential source um, was admitted by the prior owner and by the county, I believe Mr. Callow, Um, when they stated incorrectly that the radius, the 100-foot radius, did not encroach past the 5-foot setback required of septic tanks on uh, neighboring properties. But they were wrong. Well B encroaches by 21 feet and well C by 7 feet. Um, Current law, uh, which was passed in April 2007, as a direct result of these water wells, changed the... Uh, standard and stated that um, water wells had to be placed within 100 feet of the property line um, since there's new construction and development on this property the Nemics believe that the <coughs> water wells should be up to code um, mm. if the commission agrees with the county that uh, they were legally permitted. Obviously, we believe they were never legal and should be um, the permits for those should be revoked. Um, importantly, um, when my clients uh, put in a new septic system on their property, a class one septic system, of a, very, uh, a very expensive system, it was permitted by the county because the water wells weren't on county maps. And so all of the documentation was uh, reviewed, and they were allowed to put this uh, septic system in. Then it turned out later, after they spent this money, that uh, the county required that they remove and move some of the components at their own expense because of the encroachment of a neighboring property of these water wells. So uh, they have not only had to change their class one system um, at their expense, but they've lost uh, capacity. They went from a four bedroom capacity to, I mean a five bedroom capacity down to a four bedroom capacity. Now negating their planned fifth bedroom on their ADU. Uh, so it has significantly already adversely impacted uh, the Nemex property rights significantly and I think the the heart of the matter is that the wells infringe upon the nemics property rights not only because of the development constraints they no longer can use that 21 feet for an animal enclosure or a septic system um, but it also uh, violates other property rights quiet enjoyment you know it uh, we have noise pollution air pollution uh, this is a and essentially mainly residential community. The agricultural uses in on the gridded mesa really comprise of gardens that people use for their businesses or for sale somewhere else. A few goats, a horse. We don't have on the gridded mesa, you know, 780-foot barns with a thousand-foot greenhouse with a 100-foot shed, with two 2,500-gallon water tanks, and that's the difference. We don't believe that's small-scale agriculture in a residential community. Significantly, the Marin County Board of Supervisors agrees with me, stating in 2010, in a resolution, denying the conversion of those water wells from agriculture to domestic use Quote, the three wells do place development constraints on neighboring properties, and the fact that the wells were constructed in 2006 does not eliminate the presence of those constraints, which begs the question, if the NEMICs are being constrained in their development rights, why is Marin County not requiring a deed restriction? Any future owner of that property cannot develop The area, the hundred foot radius areas that overlap onto its property. No deed restriction is being required, and yet that is a restriction now placed on that property by an adjacent owner uh, who wants to uh, develop a family farm. I'm just wondering if the deed restriction isn't being required because it would be an admission by the county of uh, taking without just compensation and without due process of law. The NEMICs have had property, development rights, uh, secured fundamentally by the Constitution, taken without due process and without just compensation. Um, importantly... On a Sunday recently, uh, Christina Nemec took a video of uh, Mr. Alexander riding a mower around the property. Um, It was a Sunday, it was hours, and it was loud. Um, And that's part of the noise pollution, just an example of of what we're talking about. Um, We don't don't think that the project um, as designed um, should be allowed not only because the water wells were initially unlawful to begin with, according to California law, um, but because they infringe on the Nemex property rights. But I want to now focus on the septic system issue because that is a huge issue uh, that is not included in our papers. (coughs) Um, Marin County is approving this project without a septic system, Marin County Code says anywhere where people congregate on, and I don't know if it says agricultural use, but it says anywhere people congregate or there are employees must have a septic system or be connected to a sewer system. Um, The Mr. Alexander's home is 1,100 feet away. It is not next door. It is not adjacent. The two properties cannot be merged by law. And yet you're tying, the, the county is tying these two properties in perpetuity, so it seems. And it's, it's very confusing. Um, so, it's, EHS expressly states that this project necessitates a septic system, but it has decided simply because Mr. Alexander currently owns a home nearby that he's not required to install it. This project site has three wells, and no septic system. Can Mathematically, can a septic system even be placed on this property with three wells? Because a septic system has to be outside of the hundred radius of each well. So, question to the county is, I don't think mathematically it's possible to put a septic system on this property, which then makes it interesting because if Mr. Alexander sells the property... What can be done? A septic system should have to be on the property per law, and if the water wells are in the way, and if you deem those water wells legal, different water wells need to be drilled so that it comports with California and local uh, law. The the NEMICs want this project denied in totality um, and the revocation of the permits uh, to the infringing wells. Um, it's, it's very easy for uh, EHS or planning uh, to say, you know, it's no big deal. It's just overlapping our property by 21 feet, and you just have to tell the new owner. But that's not fair. That isn't allowed by law for a reason, because we protect property rights. Otherwise, if the commission decides to uh, allow the project, uh, we want the requirement of a septic system, uh, the elimination of the 780-foot square barn, uh, and no operation of machinery on Sundays. Thank you. Any questions?
0: Well, um, if if they come up, um, we'll we'll have you come back up. Thank you, Ms. Ruggiero. Okay, so... Um, then I have a list of <clears throat> uh, public comment. Um, I'm assuming, Mr. and Ms. Nemec, that, that um, you can, if you want to make additional comments, you can come up as part of the public and you'll have three minutes. Okay? Okay, great. So, um, we have Greg uh, Morcott. You have three minutes.
15: I don't think it'll take that long. Um, I'm in full support of this. The property was an eyesore for many, many years. The legalities of the wells and everything, I'm not privy to. But even if the wells weren't on the property, if he was to allow people to build a barn, I know from personal experience from helping people collect water and putting water tanks on people's properties, that he could collect all the water that he needs for his farm just off of water collection alone to fill those tanks, if not more tanks. So I'm not going to speak to the Wells, but I think that that he should be able to, you know, be Farmer Dave like he wants to be. He's not trying to live there. He's not trying to sneak in somebody living there. He's not throwing parties there. He's not trying to uh, uh, lie and deceive anybody. He just wants to be Farmer Dave, and that's kind of what he wants to do. He wants to, you know, him and his girlfriend want to have a farm, and not not a big farm, not big tractors and D6s going all the time. And as far as the noise goes, I live adjacent to him. And I have a uh, riding lawnmower, and I ride mine on Sundays because Saturdays and Sundays are the only two days I can get work done. Guy right next to me j- runs his chainsaw on Sundays, Mondays, night, all the time. The noise is not; it, it doesn't travel. It, it's it's not that much of a problem. Um, and yeah, I think it should be loud. Thank
0: you, Mr. Morcott. Uh, Steve Morcott. Morcott. You have three minutes.
16: Um, I am also in support of uh, Dave's uh, property proposal. Um, Both my brother and I live across the street, Kitty Corner, to both uh, the Nemex and Mr. Alexander's property. And um, if you had seen the property prior to them working, you would realize what an improvement it was. I mean, there were motors and cars and just a whole bunch of junk. We used to use it as a motorcycle track. and there were standing water at one time those are the ditches that we made with our motorcycles <laughs> um, but it's it's so much nicer than it than it was um, they've done a lot of work and i've lived there my i've lived almost my entire life on that property and i can tell you there aren't loud parties and um, gunshots going off because i would know i would know about it um so the the Idea that this is going to be turned into a, a big commercial property is, is just, I think, in my mind, ridiculous. Um, we do have farms on, quote-unquote, farms. I don't know the legal term, but we do have farms and, and other uh, agricultural uses on the gridded mesa, including a very, very large tulip uh, uh, barn that's used uh, on the other part of the mesa. So um, this is not out of character, Um, with what the neighborhood could could use. And I think it would be a great improvement to the neighborhood and the Mesa in itself. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, James Brown and then Mr. Nemec. I'm sorry, Brogan. Yes.
9: (laughs) Well, I'm also support of uh, Dave's project. Some of you may know from Bolinas that I just recently decided to donate my home after I die to the land trust at a bargain price. The rest of my, I'm a retired professor from San Francisco State. The rest of it will go to student scholarships. I have lived more than half my, I'm 82, lived more than half my life in Bolinas, and I really see a strong need for neighbor cooperation. Um, we know we live in a t- period where people ringing doorbells of the wrong house are getting shot and things like that. Um, so um, I, I, I decided to look at the psychology of NIMBYs um, from, first of all, from the land trust, just to jump quickly in. Um, when I went to some community meetings, There are all these people there who said, adding several houses in my neighborhood would cause traffic jams. This was like five people, 10 people causing traffic jams. I say that because at some point when NIMBYs get irrational, you've really got to question the credibility of other things they say. I mean, why would anybody? anybody say that. It's just so obviously inaccurate. Um, so um, to go uh, to, to, to jump into uh, the situation here in Bolinas um, I, think, I think a lot of the nimbyisms comes from the fear of change. And the fear of change may be connected to a need to control uh, just wanting to leave things as they are but uh, it's something that needs to be balanced with the community needs. In the case of the land trust, unless we get some young people with young children, Stinson Beach now has 10 kids in nine grades in our school system, one per year. That's happening to Bolinas, too. So we've got to cooperate and, and, and get, these, get these families in here. Um, um, a couple other comments. I thought it was irrational to say that uh, Dave had the intention of living illegally like a crime family. And all the mention, mention of gunshots. Do a fact check. Does he own a gun? Um, 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 get evidence. Um, port-a-potty. Somebody said there was a port-a-potty there for a party. Get a picture of it. Show it to us. Um, Finally, am I really out of time? <laughs> I—he is the most wonderful father. I have watched him with his kids. My father died when I was three. I had two alcoholic stepfathers. I wish I had a father like Dave. He takes interest in their sports and their academics. He, they only—they're half the week because he shares with his ex-wife. But, well, I'll just say he's a wonderful father and leave it at that. Oh, I do have time. No, 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 I'm sorry. That's over. That's
0: over. I'm over Thank you, Mr. Bergen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mr. Nomek. Hello. Welcome. You have three minutes.
17: So as you know, I was here in 2009 (laughs) addressing these wells a long time ago. And essentially what I'm here to talk about, My boundaries, my space, my personal space, and boundaries are lines, and lines are sacred. We use lines to define things, create structure, organize, grid, identify what is yours. Property lines and water rights, (coughs) that is what what I'm talking about here. How my water rights and property lines have been violated. And our governing body condones this. I was never notified about these wells in 2006, or the permits. And this blunder has gone unchecked. Instead of rectifying it, we're going to double down, finalizing the wells after moving my septic system, and further going down the road, and now solidifying this rights violation right here, allowing the development of this property while taking away from mine. Does this seem fair? Have some empathy, or don't. And know that the Constitution is the supreme law. And this violates constitutional law, California state law, the Bolinas-Mesa gridded plan. And I think we should abide by these laws. And I think this has been pointed out clearly to all of you over the years. This is over 15 to 18 years that I've been doing this. And the logistics of the farm don't work. He has a separate streets of access, including Hawthorne and Elm. He could access his property. But no, he has to be right in front of my house which would minimize the impact of the farm on my residence. All the customer parking, tractors, farming equipment should and could be directed there. I would request that this design be updated to consider my residence. Finally, I'd like to say the wells were not finalized until 18 years after their permit. And there's no record on the county for my surveyor when I was doing my project. These wells were not used or maintained for these 18 years. No farming has occurred, despite his little PowerPoint. Um, and the only thing that he's done is he's put ground, uh, dug power lines to each two of the wells, and the third well, which impacts my property the most, that goes 21 feet, has been capped, covered in brush, which is the definition of an abandoned well, and then finalized after that. I think that is just ridiculous. Where is the justice here? Why am I being victimized? Why, why am I losing value to my land?
0: Thank you.
11: Um, Julie Augustin. Hi there. a little nervous. <laughs> um, I'm Julie Augustine, and I'm David Alexander's life partner. Um, I have been a Bolinas resident for 26 years and have known Toby Nemec and his brothers for a long time as I lived um, for about five years, just over five years, at 250 Grove Road on the other side of Toby going down Grove. Um, And that was before either of us knew Dave or Christina. We spent time at social gatherings together many times over the years at his house, um, my house, and other neighbors on the block, as Bolinas often does, the Marcots, et cetera. I am not only shocked and disappointed in some of the extremes that they're taking to get their way without any regard to the pain and suffering that they're causing another family and wreaking havoc within our community, and and using the county by weaponizing the system for, in my opinion, um, their own selfish reasons, instead of supporting their friends and neighbors, and manifesting their dreams and their God-given right to use their own property within the legal rights. Um, the accusations made against Dave I, I became available to me in the last few days from things that they were submitted and it caught me off guard. And I find them to be mean and vicious attacks on his integrity and beyond outrageous. I can attest that Dave does not even own a gun. He is not a crime family. Um, nor a music venue producer, which they claim. His business is Platypus Productions, but he makes um, movie documentaries. Um, Like, one of the documentaries he made is called The Dawn It Will Break, in honor of a dear nun friend um, that helped the Sudanese women refugees and all the lives that she saved. Um, He's not a hunter and would never harvest a deer using a high-powered rifle. I'm a vegetarian. (laughs) No one of the most frequent, especially on the most frequent corners on the Mesa for nearly all of the community to see. Um, But he may go fishing with his friends once in a while. Um, He is also a loving father. He uses good sound judgment and problem solving and kind guidance that he uses to teach the kids. I've seen them work together on the property, learning the ins and outs of yard work and um, gardening and watching the kids just being kids, bouncing on the trampoline, with their friends while Dave tends to the property. We planted a heart garden for our strawberries and set intentions for Lazy Gate Family Farm. One of the exhibits presented by the Nemex um, for today's hearing is a text from me inviting them to a mini potluck on Labor Day um, at the property. We invited about 10 of our neighbors to see the property and to hear about it. Um, working at the property has brought a means of joy in our lives and the Nemics, for some reason can't bear it. They decided to repeat what Toby has done in the past to previous owners, not, reali- not realizing that this is different because we don't wanna live there. We don't wanna convert the wells. Um, however, we do want to grow there, which is principally permitted. Um, but maybe they don't want the county to allow anyone to do anything there, and that is why they're taking such extreme measures um, with these hurtful accusations against Dave and his brother. Um, it makes me question, is the pot calling the kettle black? I'm grateful to those who didn't buckle out of fear and showed up to support us. It's time
0: to wrap up. I'm sorry. Thank, Thank you. you. I
11: agree with the resolution from January 26th in support of the project, and I find the Nemec's accusations to be false, misconstrued, and insensitive. Thank you. Uh, Ms. chin
18: Hello, I'm Christina Chinemick. Um, I live across the street from the proposed farm. I just wanted to say, um, the first thing I wanted to have is a question about, um, can Marin County act independently of California state law and not follow state law? That's a question I just want to pose publicly. The second one is the definition of stealing, the action or offense of taking another person's property, without permission or legal right, and without intending to return it. Um, What I wanted to say is that one of the most difficult things any person has to deal with in life is facing the fact that they may have made a mistake and have to admit they may have to stand corrected and admit they were wrong. Um, I want to address that um, the placement of the barn Is directly across the street from our house. It is literally mirroring the front of our house. I have my children's bedrooms right in front there. And instead of seeking to have the least amount of impact on the neighborhood, um, Dave has repeatedly placed all of his activity directly in front of our house. I have asked several times over the years for him to move his activity across the yard where no one would notice and we wouldn't be getting complaints from the neighbors over and over again. And he refuses to listen and does the exact opposite. Um, there is no permitted water source or septic system on his brother's property, which is bordering Hawthorne, on the re- directly across from um, the property. I, have a reason, I feel like that's why he keeps placing his structures in front of our house, he doesn't want to draw attention to his brother's illegal house. They built a completely new structure, new roof. They've been living <coughs> there um, nonstop. They have sometimes eight to 10 cars all with organ license plates with people living there overnight. They've been using the water from their wells, supplying his brother and their family. And that's why I've associated them. When they first bought the property, his brother and him were both on title of that property. And then they removed it. Um, so, um, and also over the years, the um, behavior of Dave has not been Um, It actually has caused us to put cameras on our house. Um, I was recommended that by the uh, sheriff's department because his erratic yelling and threatening of us. He's directly threatened my husband several times. Um, We did hear gunshots coming from the vicinity of his brother's house one night. I did call the sheriff. Um, And it has been repetitive. So, um, you know... All these people may not be experiencing what we're experiencing directly with Dave and how he has treated us. We feel threatened. I keep my kids off of the street when he's around. He intentionally comes and just makes as much noise in front of our house as he can. And that was exhibited by some of the mowing videos that I had. It's not a small-scale farm. It's a very large farm that they're proposing. and I just want to say that we really just want privacy. I don't want them looking into our bedrooms the way that they have the access of ability if you put a barn there. And how they, as evidence has shown in the past, that's what they have been doing. Um, and they have had parties and overnight things. So. Your time is up. Thank you very much.
19: Um,
0: Lee, uh, Clodson, Clodson. Thank you.
14: Good afternoon. Um, My husband and I totally support this project. We live down by Eggett Beach, so to go anywhere in town or over the hill, we drive by this property. I've never seen anybody living there. Um, Personally, we were at the last meeting, and it was okay to barn and a greenhouse, and that seems like the most positive thing that could happen to this property instead of erecting another box house or... Something else so I feel like Dave is a great friend a great father Both my husband and I support the project. Thank you. Thank
0: you Christina Cochin
19: Hello Um, I'm a gardener at Larner seeds since 2007 which is diagonally across the street from the Alexander Project. I've also been community members and friends with Julie for nearly that same amount of time. I've known Dave for almost a decade now. Before that I even lived at Toby Nemec's house where he rented out the top half and he and his brothers lived down below. This brings me to being shocked by the accusations being made of Dave, his partner Julie, and the Alexander family. For instance, I've never known Dave to own a gun, let alone talk of going hunting or flagrantly fling a gun around firing shots. That accusation is outrageous. And Julie being vegetarian for as long as I've known her, if not longer, so the whole dear accusation is out of left field. He also has two kids, and he has demonstrated being a caring, supporting, and loving dad as I'd seen him with them on the project property and at family events. Also, while working across the street, I have never seen a body of water or pond of any kind or witnessed people living on the project property, but have only seen them out there tending to the land. One Labor Day, I attended a small gathering, maybe about ten people who are project property neighbors. David, Tom, and Julie shared their vision for the property, and I was happy to hear to and, to hear and to be a part of new beginnings. They are known to me by they are known to me and many people within this community from time spent on the Bolinas Community Center board, <coughs> volunteering at many different events, and Julie previously had a smoothie shop downtown that was a community hub for years for children young and old. Not only is the project perfectly in line with the Bolinas plan, but they are caring people within our community looking to work their land. I am deeply concerned from hearing how many of our neighbors and community members have expressed fear of speaking out based on the Nemec's threatening to turn them into the county. I find the Nemec's accusations to be false, misconstrued, and insensitive of their fellow community members, not to mention neighbors. Thank you. you. Is there anyone else who wants to address the commission who hasn't
0: spoken already? Yep, come on up. Can you just let us know who you are, please?
20: Zach Edelman. I don't actually live in the community in Bolinas. I'm a okay. um, associate and close friend of Dave and his family. Um, I have lived here in Marin County for about 20 years. I own multiple businesses. My primary business is Navitas Organics. It's a leading uh, national organic food brand. And several years ago, Dave and I, um, I hired Dave to help me out with a, a video for our business. We went down to film down in South America. Um, traveling around to small, organic family farms all throughout Peru. Um, I got to know Dave very well. Our families are very close. Our children have grown up together. I've gotten to know Tom and and their other family members, um, and Julie over the last uh, five plus years. Um, And these allegations over this weekend, Dave brought me up to speed about what, what he's being accused of, and this is not the character that Dave is. And um, as a business owner and a resident and community member here, I find this type of stuff to just be appalling. Um, as Julie stated, you know we should be here supporting another, supporting projects, working together to make sure that there's win-win scenarios. Um, I will say, Dave being accused of destroying endangered species. My this is a B corporation. We abide by certain rules and regulations of transparency. We're required by the, this certification to vet all our. Um, business partners and practices is part of what we do. Um, and Dave being an environmentalist, um, this would go against the core Stands for him, what he teaches his family, children. Um, the second accusation that took me by surprise was his, his business in, uh, to promoting concerts and planning. As I said, I've used Dave's services over the years. Platypus Productions is a film and video production company. He's never, in the 20 years I've known him, produced or promoted a concert. Um, absolutely false and not true. Um, the next one is probably the most important to me. Dave being uh, accused of reckless behavior with a firearm. I'm personally anti-gun. Uh, I wouldn't associate myself with people that um, you know believe in firearms or certainly use them recklessly. Uh, as I said, my, our children have grown up together. I wouldn't uh, put my children in the care of somebody um, that had direct access to firearms and put my children in danger. Um, this, this is just preposterous to me, and again, this is just absolutely um Lastly, as a business owner, homeowner, commercial real estate owner here in Marin County, it makes me upset that people are allowed to bring these types of accusations into the, uh, the public place without any proof. Being that I've been a victim of this in the past, it really compelled me to come here today. Um, But for a person like Dave, who is a sole proprietor and works really on referral and reputation, this can be very damaging to him and his business, his primary business of making film. Um, I've read through the documentation. Uh, I assure you the purpose of Mr. Alexander's permit for this property is, as he stated, to have what I would call a small organic hobby farm. This is certainly not a large-scale farm by any means. Uh, And I've worked with farmers all over the world for the last 20 years. Seems I couldn't think of a better use of this land that is left vacant and was a garbage dump for many, many years.
0: Thank you, Mr. Alexander. I mean, Mr. Edelman, your time is up. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, is there anyone else who wants to address the commission who has not? Okay, I'm gonna close the public hearing, the public comment, and bring it back to the commission and the staff. And Jeremy, if I could just ask you for a second to just refocus us. On what is before the Commission and what we need to decide
3: sure yeah I mean I heard uh, I I heard a a few kind of main themes in the comments Um, one related to the uh, wells um, and one related to the use of the property for agriculture and one related to the development of agricultural structures on the property Um, unfortunately we do not have somebody from EHS here Um, But just as a reminder, this Coastal Permit is not for the wells. The wells have been existing and permitted and legal for many years. And um, that's not subject to this Coastal Permit. So we do not have authority over those. Um, Likewise, the use of the property for agriculture is also not a subject to this Coastal Permit. This is, I understand, a a mostly residential neighborhood. Um, It is a mixed-use zone. And as a mixed-use zone, you're allowed to have agriculture, um, mostly small farms like this, um, and residential. And, you know, hopefully they can all get along, but understandably, you know, there are people in residential areas that don't want to have agriculture, but, you know, that's what it's zoned for. Um, the third piece is about the development. And, you know, I think um, you know, there have been comments about, you know, whether or not the barn is being sited correctly, um, I you know, this, the, the original design of the development was a cause for concern. Um, and when we looked at it, we recommended to the deputy Designing administrator that the barn was too large um, and significantly reduced the, the size of that barn. And, you know, our approach, we felt, um, was going to address those design um, uh, issues um, adequately but of course that is definitely part of what you are looking at as a commission looking at this coastal permit the development is subject to the coastal permit if you think that additional changes are necessary then that's well within your purview
0: commissioner dessert uh, oh sorry it's, in my it's it's her district so i'm going well, well, to let commissioner dessert say a follow up
5: question for jeremy go
0: oh. ahead go ahead go
5: ahead um, the issue also came up about septic um, septic Um, on the neighbor's property, but septic also for this property. I just wonder if you could also speak to that.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know EHS's codes well well enough. Um, EHS has proposed a condition of approval, um, which we have included. Now, as a reminder, we do not include conditions of approval from other agencies if those are standards. Uh, So they have indicated this should be a condition of approval, which makes it... um, discretionary on your part um and so you can remove that condition if you if you so choose um unfortunately i don't know what the what the requirements are for um, bathroom facilities on agricultural properties Um, obviously there are many agricultural properties that don't have um, bathroom facilities anywhere near where the operations are actually taking place but you know i don't know what the regulations are in this case commissioner
0: deser questions no, we just want to is there anyone who has questions before we take it to comments yeah Commissioner Montalano
7: hi yes um, I have a question for the owners um, I see on the uh, map of the of the proposed project that across the street I see your lands and it looks like there's two separate lots lands of Nemec there's two separate lots is that correct
3: Okay. If they could come up to the podium so they can be recorded, yeah.
19: Here. A6.
7: Hi, thank you. Okay, so that was my question. So this uh, survey is showing that, this, that there's two separate lots, but you joined them?
6: We
18: joined them into one, and it was upon the uh, – with the – with the new septic system, it was a requirement to join the lots and with the property.
7: Okay, so the what's the total area of that
18: lot now? Or a little bit more, like, but about fourteen thousand.
7: Okay, and I see that there's on this it's plus or eighty feet plus or minus to the leach field from that front property line. And so well B, well B is the one that extends 21 feet over your property line, like that 100-foot radius that you have to be clear of, correct?
18: 21 feet, yeah. And that 21. was
11: also the well that was
18: covered up by brush, and even Gwen from EHS said that it was a... Yeah. Uh, the reason why they didn't see it, did it did several times, is because it was covered by brush and they couldn't see it. That's
7: okay. probably, yeah yeah, and and then Well C is seven feet over, and I <clears throat> I mean the the reality is the county should have had a record of that, so it's like it was a bad records thing um, okay, and now my next question is for the uh, Axel Ron, sorry <laughs> Alexander, <laughs> David. Alexander David Alexander a question for you um, so my question is about. How much water do you get from each of these
13: wells um the the the, the wells uh they they pump out about they, they they're used in unison and they pump out about I, I don't know they there's plenty of water but they refill the the tubes refill so they pump out and refill and pump out and refill um and so there's been water year round always from those wells that 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 you know, and the reason why we use water tanks is because they pump out the, the. there's a pipe that goes down in the ground, they pump the contents of the pipe out, and then they refill again. Um, and then the other one kicks on and pumps out the contents of that and refills again. Um, so I I basically, I'm not sure of the exact flow, but there's plenty of water that comes out of the wells and it goes year round. I, I'd also like to point out just one quick thing, if possible. I'm sorry, yeah. About you the septic, your time. Okay. Thank if you. If someone would ask about the septic, I can explain that on the property. Because there is a septic permit that we have for the property. And the EHS gave us specific said specifically that we couldn't build on that side of the property in case someone wanted to build that septic. So there's an approved septic permit for our property.
0: Thank you, Mr. Alexander. Okay. Uh any other questions for staff? Commissioner Dusser, do you want to lead us well, off here? Oh, sorry, I just, Commissioner on, Lind.
10: Yeah, on page A3 <clears throat> of the plans that are submitted, it says under the septic system that no septic system is required, and that the farm will not be open to the public and will not have employees. Mm-hmm. So, could the applicant please confirm the source of the information? drawn on this drawing i note it's drawn by d alexander so what is this what is your source of information for that those statements that are on the plan set
13: um is that it was never our plan to have employees and we're not going to have employees Uh, my family is going to farm the land and my children are going to learn to farm and we're going to have a family farm
10: Okay, that answers one question. What about the septic system plan?
13: So, so well, this, this, well, okay, so when, we, when I bought the property, okay, it came with a septic permit, okay, that the, that the previous owner had. So the previous owner had, had done all this stuff, and then their permit was denied because they denied them the ability to convert the wells from agricultural to domestic wells, and they said that if they did that, they would need to be, um, that that they wouldn't do that because then the conversion of the wells would then, they would need to comply with the new law, but that they were grandfathered in as is, as irrigation wells. Okay, so when I bought the property, there was a septic permit, there was a whole, everything was permitted except for that one thing, okay? So there was a septic permit that came with the property i decided that well i don't know i just bought the property i cleared with the county that everything was legal but then i said well why don't we just pay the money to re-up the septic permit it was it was like a thousand bucks or something and then that would allow us in case we wanted to sell it or something to be able to sell it and someone could come with a water meter and use that septic permit which was which ehs thought was a really good idea we paid the money to re-up the septic permit the septic permit was then in my name um and so years went on we just we realized we weren't going to do that we wanted to start a farm there but when i went to 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 talk to um the county about getting the permits for this project i went and talked to gwen at ehs and she said well i think you can do anything on that property but i want you to leave the area where the mound is going to be free of anything so that in case someone wants to build and you sell the property there isn't something that needs to be torn down or something like that she she specifically told me that and so we did that and then i cleared with her that we could put the greenhouse there because the greenhouse is just a hoop greenhouse <coughs> easily removed and she agreed um, with that so a future For us to sell the property in the future to someone who has a water meter there is sufficient room and a permitted um, septic system and when I talked to her she thought that the perk tests and everything would be valid and that we would just have to have an engineer go out or someone would a new owner or whatever would have to have a uh, um, would have to have would have to have just an engineer just go out and check off that everything still is as it was with the previous septic permit
0: thank you
1: Are you planning to sell the property? No, we are not planning to sell
13: the property, but we did not want to be in a situation where we were not permitted to sell the property or something like that in the future. We want to live there and have a wonderful life. Mr.
1: Desser, go ahead. Um, Well, I mean, I, I think that Jeremy has laid out very clearly what's before us, which is just the development. But just to reiterate, the wells are permitted. We're not in a position. To take, a, to, to take a position on whether the wells are legal or not. <clears throat> um, this is an activity that's consistent with the zoning. I understand about, I live next door to a farm in Point Reyes. I understand about noise. I get noise across the street from the leaf blower. I get noise next door. I get noise at my own house and my husband's riding that thing to cut all the lawn in front of us. There are not. We don't have noise rules here. I mean, I think there's decibel rules. But we don't have rules about when machines can be used. You hope that your neighbors are going to be considerate. But we, we live in a rural area. And this project, it, to my mind, is completely consistent with Bolinas, a place that I've spent a lot of time. I would hope that neighbors... I, I hate when matters like this come before us because it's very upsetting... When neighbors have such hostility towards each other. Um, and I'm not taking sides on this because I'm not there, but it's just really unfortunate because we need to live together. Um, I guess, as far as I'm concerned, I would not even condition this with the, the septic conditions. Um, it's speculative. We don't, I mean, they're not planning to move sell the property. I'm going to take them at their word. But even if they did, there's no requirement that you sell the property with a place that passes a perk test. Um, I myself do not object to having a porta potty on the property. Frankly, this is how we're solving the bathroom problem in Point Reyes. We've got to put porta potties out there. because, And, and actually, a porta potty is a better use as far as water goes uh, or a septic than having to put one in so um... i guess can i ask uh... the applicant to come up for a second there was some question about whether you could change access to the property the the appellants object to the way that you access the property is it possible for you to change that
13: we have gates on both sides of the property there is a possibility for that yes however um... There is a paved road that that you know you know Bellinas. There's paved roads and there's unpaved roads, and so the Hawthorne Road um, does not is not a through road. Um, recently, a large tree just fell across Hawthorne Road. Um, I, yeah, I would be happy to for us to access the road when accessible through that side. Um, yeah, I, and and also. Just so you know, as soon as this happened, I immediately wrote a letter to the NEMICS and said that I would be happy to work with them and did not want to hold up their project, um, that, I, that, that, I, that I, we would even consider destroying the well, and I had a conversation with them. I don't know what changed them. I have tried and tried, and I've tried to visualize in my mind in meditation us living happily together. I want to negotiate with them and figure out what makes them happy. And I've I've attempted time and time again to do that, and I'm just met with this intense hostility, and that okay. is. The... Okay. Thank you.
1: So, Mr. Uh, and Mrs. Nemec, if if access to the property was changed, what would be your preference? Absolutely you need to be on the on the. Well, I would like to
17: first state that um, I have never received a letter from David Alexander
1: okay that's again yeah, but that's that's we're semantic. just trying
17: anyways yeah it would definitely be helpful if the uh, access to this farm was either on elm which is paved or Hawthorne, which is next to his brothers and they have perfectly good access right there and then it wouldn't be directly in front of me the barn obviously is right directly up opposite of my house well i know
1: that's unfortunate too but we, we can, there aren't rules about where people can you can sit down now i just want to reiterate you don't get to say where your neighbors get to build things. If if, if if that's it, thank you. If if it's if it's legal and it is legal, and again, you want people to be considerate, but you don't. I get to watch things going up next door to me, and they take me by surprise. Um, but that's just how it is. So I guess for my fellow, th- thank you, Mr. Nemec. So um, I uh, I'm in support of this project. I would delete the requirements that were put on. By health services, and um, I'm interested in hearing. Oh, oh, I would be happy to impose a condition if the applicants are uh, amenable to access to the property, and I'm interested in hearing what my fellow commissioners have to say.
5: Clarify what you would delete. The
3: the
1: requirements. The connection to the other uh, bathroom on adjacent
3: property. Condition number four. Yeah, I
19: support
10: removing that condition. I think it's really irrelevant to what's before us.
3: Mm-hmm. No,
0: nope. I'm sorry. Um, she's, she's proposing that we delete the deed restriction, saying that when the property is sold, the new owner will need to demonstrate the ability to dispose of sewage properly by installing a code-compliant septic system.
1: Which would happen anyway. I mean, you know, they're trying to put a septic on the property. They're going to have to demonstrate the viability of that septic.
0: Commissioner Montalotto.
7: Um I I am wondering, and I would like to ask the owner something. And I know this is a you know, it's it's not exactly. I feel like there are some. We are we are taught we are responsible to deal with something, but I think that it's it's not really the the core problem. And so I'm going just going to ask you a question: that if I mean, if I were you, and I bought a piece of property, and then somebody told me that this well fr- on somebody else's property was incorrectly placed, you know, le- illegally placed, and it's tw- it's it, you know invading my property by 21 feet, <clears throat> I'd be very upset, very upset. But there are three wells, so my question is, I mean, the animosity that's you know, it, this could go on forever. This could go. This could be taken this problem that we are not dealing with, I'm just speaking, this could be, go on and go on from here no matter what's decided today. So my question to you is, like, would you be con, would you consider that if well-being were capped, that it would be helpful? Okay, so th- that's not going to happen here, and we're not going to talk about that, but I do think that sometimes a third party has to come in and say... I mean, abandoned, yeah. abandoned. And I'm not saying both wells. And the other one, it's only two feet, that's you know, impe- yeah, but two feet beyond where you would have to be from anyway. So anyway, that, that's a different story. Um, now, getting back to what uh, Commissioner Desser said, mm. um, I kind of do agree that it's, it's very odd. And if, you know, either a commercial entity must provide bathroom facilities if they do get employees, and that would be part of OCHA, which is out of our jurisdiction anyway, right? And if they sold the property and somebody else wanted to hire employees, they would then have to. Pro- it would probably end up being porta potties, um, which happens a lot on farms because you just don't have septic systems on farms; they have porta potties. If I again, if I were the neighbor, I would want to know where those porta potties would be planned for. So. I just feel like that—that uh that should have been part of this. That not that they absolutely need to have porta potties, but that if there were porta potties, if sometime in the future they get injured and they need to hire help, where would those porta potties be? That—that that I think should have been included here. So I'm kind of agree with with uh, Commissioner Deser and Com- Commissioner lynn that that part of it, the septic thing, doesn't really. It's not really relevant, and and I would also be in favor of removing that. I do
10: like the the idea of indicating on the site plan a feasible location for a porta potty. I don't think that would hurt. I, I don't know I, that it's required though. Not if required. No requirement for for facilities. Then we don't need to do
2: that.
0: Commissioner Dickinson.
2: Jeremy me is a porta potty development under the development code. I mean, I see them a lot up in Sonoma County, and they're on wheels Yeah, in farms. When they're doing pruning or whatever, they're on wheels, and they have hand-washing stations, and I assume it's all
3: required by OSHA. That's right, yeah. So um, typically those would be on wheels, and they're a vehicle in that case. They're not, they're not development. It's just like parking, you know, parking somewhere else there. Um, so they would be, you know, brought on. I think, in many ranches and farms, and then they're taken away at the end of the operation, emptied out, and then taken to where else they would need to be. Um, I I don't know of any proposal here to be able to to do that. Um, I think what the applicant was raising was, um, you know, a better understanding, perhaps, of what uh, EHS is getting at, um, where they're saying, they're not proposing to build a septic system, but a septic system, is feasible on the property without, you know, preventing the development of a a farm on the property or something else.
9: I think,
2: actually, I mean, the property is surrounded by three public rights away, right? Mm -hmm. That they have legal access to all three of them. Uh, I believe so, yeah. And the access is to, looks like a gravel area. On the, on the, on the two sides would be access from the into the gravel area uh, part of the plan, right? I assume so.
12: Sorry, I just want to clarify that I'm understanding the question. So, on um, Hawthorne is a dirt road, Grove is a paved road, and then right. currently it's proposed to access a gravel driveway that goes through the kind of back side of the property right. from each street,
2: like behind the barn. And,
12: yeah, exactly.
2: And, um, and Hawthorne is a marginal road.
12: Hawthorne, yeah, isn't paved, so it's right. one of those typical Bolinas roads. That's
2: okay. I'm, uh, uh, let me just say, in terms of my comments, um, I think the um, decision by the deputy zoning administrator was correct. Um, and if the applicant agrees with all the conditions, I wouldn't change them. I mean, I think the one from environmental health is a little weird because i don't think the code does require if you're only doing agricultural um uh, growing uh, operations on your property that you do need a septic system but if the applicant doesn't object to that and if at some point in the future became an issue someone could come in and seek an amendment um, to that condition so i would be prepared just to um uh Support the resolution, um, denying the appeal and upholding the approval by the deputy zoning administrator, the way it stood. I think, uh, again, the access, if the applicant could work out some other access, I think that would be a neighborly thing to do. But I'm not sure that's something that we should require because the the conditions of those roads. And I don't think we're really in a position to require the location of a porta potty to be shown on the plan. I assume if it is a wheeled one, it would probably be put on the gravel area, somewhere on the gravel area and not in the orchard. But um, I just don't think we really have the right to regulate that.
0: Commissioner Lind? I agree with
10: with what Don just summarized after discussion. And I also want to note, there's a gate indicated off of grove road so it's your intention to use this is because i guess a question for the applicant is that the intention to use that 16 foot gate
13: there, there's a gate on on grove and on hawthorne and our intention was to use those gates yes and um possibly move one of the gates because of the location of the greenhouse down hawthorne or something like that um although and and the the only drawback to you know to Look, we're happy to do anything to to try and be neighborly. It's all we've tried to do, and we are 100% happily to do to do that. Um, but one of the th- one of the problems with Hawthorne is Hawthorne in the winter, especially like this winter, gets insanely muddy. Um, so it could restrict us. Coming in and off, you know. So I think that it's we, like I said, I'd be happy to discuss with them um, in some mediation or something, some whatever it is that's uh, that's upsetting them to, to try and alleviate any of that. Um, and if it means that we don't come down Grove to Park, that's fine. Um, yeah, uh, but we would have to, like I, I like was suggested, do that in another forum.
0: Yep. Thank you, Mr. Alexander. Anybody else, have, Commissioner Desser?
1: I, I don't know if we should take a straw poll or something. I just think it's a weird condition. And even if they were amenable to it, I don't want to, I don't like setting the precedent for having a condition like this. So I, I mean, I would
0: kind of. Let's take a straw poll um, to see who would be in favor of removing condition number four. One, two, three. One,
10: I could go either way. I could support either way.
2: Yeah, actually, I could go either way. Yeah, I don't have a strong. Now, if there's a preference to keep it in there, I don't have a problem with that. I just don't think it's. Um, I don't think it makes much sense.
0: I don't
1: either. So okay, I would be so. prepared to make a motion. Right. Um, so uh, I move that we deny the Nemec appeal and uphold the approval of the David Alexander Separate Trust at All Coastal Permit and Design Review, with the uh, exception of. CDA Environmental Health Services Division, number four on page 12 of the
2: resolution. Okay. I'll second
0: that. Okay, uh, Commissioner Dess moved, and Commissioner Montalvano seconded. Is there any further discussion?
2: Let, let me just comment that one of the things that happened through this process is the barn, which was tall, 22 and a half feet, is now limited to 15 feet. And I think that does benefit the neighbor, and that came out of this process.
7: Can I just make one comment? I do think it's really important to address the porta potty. I mean, I don't think we have to do it now, but I think generally that that definitely should have been located because that's that's as a terrible eyesore in a neighborhood of residents. So it should have been thought about, and even in the ministerial approved, you know, design review, that should be very strongly considered. It's not something that we can regulate,
1: and they build these little fancy enclosures for mm-hmm. them now, also. So.
0: Okay, so we have a motion on the table, and and um, I, I just I just want to say that I also don't like these I don't like these kind of contentious battles. We can't mediate every um, or or opine on on every uh, issue that comes up. We are really restricted to the issues that come before us, and so the issue before us is whether or not this complies with. Um, the the development code and so that's what we're sticking to and there are other avenues for hopefully for you to resolve the issues that have come up b- between you so okay so we have a motion in a second and all and should we on hilda do you want to do a roll call or are we okay doing a a claim by hand all in favor
3: all in favor if everyone's in favor yeah. all in aye. favor
0: of, of commissioner deser's motion aye 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 okay
3: unanimous thank you
0: Thank you, we're adjourned.
1: Good job on your maiden voyage, thank you.
0: Oh, right, sorry, appeal rights. rights. Thank you, we're not adjourned yet, because I need to talk about the appeal rights. Uh, Okay, the appeal must be submitted, um, no later than 10 business days from this day, so that would be 10 business days, any idea? Yeah,
10: it's benchmark
0: nothing okay well you can figure it out
10: hi guysptic system is it nice to see